I was tired. My skin did not look great. Was constipated my entire childhood. I was 12 and my mom's setting down this huge glass of water and a laxative. But as soon as I shifted to a plant-based diet, all of these issues suddenly vanished. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries around the world. Malaysia, Indonesia, Argentina, and Canada, where we're headed today. Plus, all places in between. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. Did you hear what she said at the start of the show. She was on laxatives for virtually her entire childhood. Her mom giving her a big glass of water to wash the pills down starting when she was just a little girl. And the sad part is that even though Carly Bodrug probably felt alone in her struggle, she was far from it, even at that tender age. This is probably a scenario that's playing out in thousands, if not millions of homes where families are eating that standard high-fat, low-fiber Western diet. And those families, maybe they're unaware of the consequences that are soon to follow. But Carly was lucky enough to be able to pull the blinders off. And when that happened, suddenly... The lifetime of backup was no longer a problem, and her energy shot through the roof, and her skin suddenly took on the healthy glow that she had been searching for. So excited by her plant-based transformation was she, that this cooking novice began spending more time in the kitchen and happily posting her new creations online. And before long, she was insta-famous. She was insta-famous and improving the health and cooking skills for millions of followers. And now she has a brand new cookbook, Plant You, that is packed with more than 140 of her oil-free favorites. And she's here today with us to share her improbable journey back to health and to plant-based stardom. And you better believe we're also going to talk about what's in that delicious cookbook. So if you're not already following her, you're definitely going to want to before this conversation is over, because all of that energy that Carly has, man, is it contagious. Let's welcome Carly Bodrug to the exam room. Carly, thank you so very much for being here. Chuck, what an introduction. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm ecstatic to be on the show today. I'm ecstatic that you're here. And my first question, Carly, is how does somebody who has like little to no cooking experience go from that to having 1.6 million followers on TikTok alone and becoming a go-to resource for cooking for people? You know what, Chuck? I ask myself that every day. And once I kind of crawl out of the imposter syndrome of not being like this professional chef, I realize that the magic in the food that I share is probably the simplicity of it. 
I do not come from a cooking background. Um, before my early 20s, I had limited cooking experience and dove into plant-based eating. And you know what? One of the first things I noticed when I went plant-based was that when you go on Pinterest, there wasn't a lot of super accessible food that I thought I could make. And I started kind of veganizing the food I grew up eating sharing it on social media. And what do you what do you know? A few years later, I'm so, so lucky to have this incredible platform of people who are all united by their love of really easy plant-based cooking. Oh, yeah. I mean, you completely filled a void in the space. What Were you intimidated at first when you decided to go plant-based? A lot of people, when they're like, I, I want to do this, I'm going to do it, but I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So my college friends would tell you, I'm about the most shocking person to turn plant-based as anybody else. Uh, when I went to college, I came stocked with a freezer full of like tater tots, mini frozen pizzas. My favorite food was uh, poutine, if you're, anybody's Canadian <laughs> listening. And I was so intimidated when I made the decision to go plant-based. It was in 2015 after the World Health Organization announced that red and processed meat were now classed as group two and group one carcinogens. My dad's a colon cancer survivor. And that news was super shocking because in Canada in particular at the time, the Canada Food Guide had recommended like a glass of dairy milk at dinner each night, a big cut of meat on your plate for dinner. And it was just like, what is happening here? And now the World Health Organization is saying this. And I really wanted to kind of start caring about my health at that point. And the intimidation factor was massive because not only did I come from a small town, I just really had no cooking skills. So I was starting from ground zero. So what I started doing actually was like looking at the food that I really loved already eating. So for example, my mom's ground beef pasta, I looked at that and thought, okay, what can I substitute the ground beef for that will be plant-based and healthier for me? And it was red lentils. So right there, I had like a familiar meal that I could lean on that I know I love, but now is plant-based by just making that one simple swap. So that's what I always say to people when they're going plant-based. It's not necessarily that you need to just completely revamp everything you're eating. Look at what you already eat and the food that you already enjoy and how you can make those simple swaps to make them plant predominant. All right. I, I got to put a pin in this and go back to the day that the World Health Organization came out and announced that red and processed meat were carcinogenic. Beyond just kind of that confusion you were talking about, what were the emotions of the day? I remember exactly where I was. I mean, this was this is just a momentous day in history. I remember sitting in the newsroom. I was working in Washington, D.C. at the time at a radio station, WNEW, all news all the time. And, and this comes out and we're all like, what in the heck is happening? Because mind you, we have like Subway sandwiches on the table. People have been eating bacon for breakfast. They're probably looking forward to a steak dinner that night. And all of a sudden it's like, what in the heck? It was like, we all kind of felt like the wool had been pulled over our eyes, but we still didn't quite know what to do with it. So what was that day like for you? So more than my own emotions that I remember, I was home at the time with my parents. And I remember my dad being angry. Like, 
he had gone, um, I was 11 when he was diagnosed with stage two colon cancer, had gone through this super invasive surgery, chemotherapy, the whole bit. And we had gone through that entire process and gone to eating chicken wings for dinner multiple nights per week, because there was nothing mentioned about diet, that diet could have anything to do with it, that diet could contribute to a return of that. So I remember him being angry. And also this kind of like, exactly what you said, the wool had been pulled over our eyes. So I was really grateful at the time that my parents also shifted to a plant predominant diet at the same time I did. My dad is now 71, cancer free and eats mostly plant based, which I think is awesome. Like it's a testament to that you can go plant based at any age and really improve your diet and health outcomes. Papa bow drug healthy as an ox. I love it so much. That's fantastic. Um, so you also, people may not realize this about you. You have a background also in media, uh, did a little bit with, uh, journalism and radio up in uh, Northern Ontario, I do believe. Um, I know that what I was just describing, the, the typical newsroom diet for me that I'm familiar with was just absolute garbage. I can't even use the words, Carly, that I want to use to describe this. I mean, was it, was it much the same for you? It was terrible. I don't know about you, but I was on morning. So I would oh, get yeah. up at 3.30 a.m. I remember I would sometimes bring in like gummies into work, like in a coffee. Like I would eat literal like sour keys at 3 30 a.m with my coffee and then maybe i would like go home have a nap eat chicken and rice for dinner because i thought that was the holy grail to achieving my like dream body and the only thing that felt like safe to eat and um do it all over again in the morning i was tired <laughs> I, I my skin did not look great and um one thing I always battled with as a as a child, and I hope it's not too TMI for the show. I'm sure we can talk about it, but I um, was constipated my entire childhood to the point where I went to the doctor, was prescribed laxatives. Nobody ever thought to mention that maybe I should be including some more fiber in my diet. I dealt with this all the way. I just thought this was my digestive system. Like, oh, I have a slow digestive system. Dealt with this all the way up until... I suddenly went plant-based and overnight my constipation issues vanished. So that was the biggest thing. Like the newsroom diet was terrible, but as soon as I shifted to a plant predominant plant-based diet, all of these issues that I thought were just like part of my genetic makeup suddenly vanished. And it's like, I'm, I'm sure you can relate, but when you go plant-based, you want to like shout it from the rooftops because not only are you able to eat like so many delicious foods into abun in abundance to the point where you're full and satisfied, but you also see so many of these immediate health benefits, not to mention the benefits for our environment and the animals. So it's like, I always say it's like a win-win-win on every level. No question about it. You're funny. You're funny. It's like, is, is this TMI for this show? I mean, no way. Not if our, our, our mutual friend, Dr. Will Bolsowitz is on here every month talking about ways to alleviate constipation in very graphic detail. So don't worry about that. Um, but two, yeah, I, I completely uh, know what you're talking about as far as wanting to shout it from the mountaintops. And luckily now having this platform when so many other people who 
will make that change and start to feel just dramatically better. They then will start to shout, but then that's met with a little bit more resistance. And then you, you somehow have managed to shout it and get like millions of people to listen. So like you set the gold standard for your megaphone of veganness. I think that that's fantastic. Um, you are now, you're still in your twenties. Did you ever think in your entire life though, in in your 20s or even later on, you'd be so openly talking about constipation. That's not something that most women in my life are, you know, free to chit chat about. You know what? No, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> but it's like, it's this awful thing that we don't talk about. And uh, the statistic that really gets me is that we, we are so consumed with protein. As you know, this is the top question that I get multiple messages about every single day. How do you get protein in a plant-based diet? How do you get protein? Where do you get your protein from? How are you not withering away? And it's like 90% of the population in North America is fiber deficient. None of us are protein deficient, barring if you have a unique health condition or et cetera. Like we're all, so many of us are not getting enough fiber in our diet. So like so many of us are walking around constipated and that's not a good, that's not a good feeling for anybody. So I'm trying to be more open about it because I think um, if someone like I can talk about it, um, then we can start opening up the conversation and maybe including some more fibrous foods in our diet, like your leafy greens, your whole grains, um, your flax meal. Oh yeah. No, we're, we're, I mean, we're going to shout about this and I'm sure you, you don't need those lax laxatives any longer. Those, those are out of your life, right? Exactly. Like yeah. I could not believe, I remember sitting, I was like 12 and my mom's like setting down this huge glass of water and a laxative. Like, meanwhile, I could have just been served a bowl of oatmeal probably <laughs> would have done it as opposed to the pizza pockets and the chicken wings. But what can you do? Live and learn, live and learn. Um, a lot of people are learning with you. Who who is your average follower? I'm I'm curious because I, you know, if you look at the statistics, right? You look at the different generations. You have Gen Z, which I believe you're a part of. You know, 65% of Gen Zers want at least a more plant-forward diet, as they call it. And then four out of five say that they're willing to take meat out of their meals at least once per week. So that's pretty plant-forward uh, compared to most generations. Is that in line with who your followers are? So most of my followers are women between the ages of like 26 to 34, which is where I, I'm 29. So I fall right in there. But on TikTok, it's interesting. I'm very lucky to have garnered a large audience on there. And it definitely skews younger. And I can tell you, it gives me so much hope for the future um, from both a diet and a planetary perspective, because they are just so motivated to eat a plant-based or vegan diet. Like they're constantly asking for tips and are so open to the recipes as opposed to, I guess, if I post a recipe on like Facebook where the audience might skew a bit older, the reception is just completely different. So I have a lot of hope for this, the Gen Z population. They are so open to going plant-based and it's just going to be incredible to see um, industry shift along with them. And, and, and here's also the cool part is the same survey that I was reading found that 50% uh, 
of Gen Zers are willing to pay more to eat what they perceive to be a healthy diet. But then, then I look at your cookbook, Plant You, which is coming out February 15th, and I'm looking at the recipes in there. And there are like, if you buy a lot of this stuff in bulk, if you get your produce, you know, fresh, even like you can really kind of keep those costs way down. So the stuff that you came up with in your book, I'm not even sure if this was intentional or not, but you can bang out a lot of these slamming recipes for basically pennies. Yeah, I feel like there's a big myth that a plant-based diet has to be expensive. And I don't want to discount people who are in food deserts and have accessibility issues. But if you have access to a grocery store that has fresh produce, you're going to notice that when you go plant-based, your beans, your whole grains, your fresh vegetables are probably going to skew a lot lower in price than something like a cut of meat or cheese. So it can really be done for a fraction of the price. And that was really a priority for me when I wrote the cookbook is I didn't include any mock meats or cheeses. Like you won't find like it calling for a store-bought veggie ground. I wanted people to be able to make that from scratch from like something like walnuts or um, or lentils as opposed to like buying a veggie ground because not only do I believe that's healthier for us, I think that's more accessible from both a price point perspective and people being able to go to their average grocery store and pick it up. The other thing I noticed about the book was I'm thumbing through these recipes and I'm not seeing any oil in there whatsoever. Um, that is a hot topic in the plant-based community. Where do you fall in the oil debate? For sure. So this is like super heavily debated right now, I find in the community, but I was really lucky that early on around that 2015, 2016, when I first went vegan, I read uh, really great books. So uh, Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman, How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. And they had so much great information on how beneficial uh, eliminating oil can be from your diet. And I was definitely intimidated at first because I find almost every recipe you find online starts by like pouring, <laughs> pouring a couple of glugs of oil in the pan. So I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Um, so I started replacing that oil with broth. And you know what? I found that my food was like intensely more flavorful without the oil. I didn't miss it whatsoever. And without getting um, too far into the weeds of like talking about calories, it's just, I would prefer to have like one of my homemade cookies for dessert, like a hundred calories than a tablespoon of oil in a stir fry. Like it, it makes no difference to me in the taste of a dish, whether it contains oil or not. And I think that it's incredible to get fat sources instead from their whole foods. So I always suggest like if people are looking at going plant-based and they want to reduce oil, just look at um, from a whole foods perspective, I would rather eat the avocado with the fiber and all of the water and the nutrients intact rather than the extracted fat source, which is what you're getting from the oil. Like there's literally no reason that we have to have that extraction in our diet in my opinion. So you, you talked about using broth as a replacement for oil. What are some other fun swaps that you could tell somebody who is just kind of getting going? They, they're now where you were just a few years ago. For sure. So if you are baking parchment paper, silicone liners, anything like that is your best friend going to stop um, stop your stuff from sticking when you're putting it in the oven. Additionally, for baking, I find that mashed bananas, applesauce, 
plant milks, they can all provide a really nice moisture content to your baked goods. I have a really great banana bread recipe that has like mashed banana and mashed pumpkin in the recipe as opposed to oil. And you're not going to miss the oil at all because it provides that moisture content without the um, large amount of fat. Additionally, like if you're stir frying, if you don't have broth on hand, water works just fine. You're just going to set uh, set your pan to like a low to medium heat in saute. And you know what I find? Um, people are like, won't stuff stick? You get used to um, adding something like onions and garlic to the pan. And what you'll find is that those sweat, right? So uh, onions will sweat and actually lubricate a pan and you'll find you don't need any additional liquid in the pan really other than maybe a couple of drops of water to get things going. Um, it's actually very easy I find to cook oil free, especially once you get going on it. It's it's just a matter of making those simple swaps again in your diet. And I not only did I find my food tasted intensely like the the flavors were more vibrant. I also found I just felt lighter when I when I got rid of the oil. And I find now when I like eat out at a restaurant, it's almost impossible to avoid oil unless you're asking specifically um, for oil-free recipes. And I find I don't feel always so good after meals with oil at this point. So it just goes to show that um, it can be really, really good for the body. And I would suggest trying it out if you can. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned bananas is one of the, the the swaps there close to the top. Now in my kitchen, uh, I have a bunch of green bananas at all time. I have a bunch of ripe bananas at all time. And then I have two bunches that are ripe and frozen at all times. How many bananas do you tend to have on hand? We always have bananas on hand. I'm like the same, like we're buying at least like 20 bananas a week probably. I love to freeze banana in coins. Like you can, uh, so lay out a baking sheet, cut up your banana, freeze them flat, and then put them into a nice freezer bag. If you blend up frozen bananas, it turns into the most wonderful ice cream substitute. It's so sweet, so delicious, and you literally don't have to add anything to it. If you have a nice food processor, it will do the job with your standard blender. You can add a little plant milk. Frozen banana will literally turn into the best ice cream of your life. No dairy needed. It's, it's ridiculous. Even my brother-in-law, who is a hardcore carnivore, as I like to put it, I guess this was like six months ago. Now he texts me out of the blue. He's like, dude, you can make ice cream out of frozen bananas. You can put the bananas in the freezer. I was like, yeah, just make sure that you peel them first, but absolutely you can do that. And like that, that completely changed his game. Now I'm not going to say that the guy went 100% plant-based. That's not the case, but his diet certainly got a little bit healthier because of that. So I know one of the things that you also like to talk about are tips for people who are just making that transition to get more plants into their diet. We got bananas. That's an easy one. What are some other easy ways that people can start to work a little more uh, healthy fiber into their day? Of course. So we have a mutual friend, Dr. Will Balsowitz, who's this incredible gut health doctor. And he actually says that plant diversity is really the key to a healthy gut microbiome. So I'm always encouraging people to include a variety of plants in their diet. And I don't mean that as in you have to be rotating meals every single week. What we personally do in my household is I'll be making like definitely a vegetable stir fry every week with some sort of plant protein, whether it be beans, 
tempeh, tofu, and um, we will just switch up the vegetables every week. So lay out a sheet pan, write down a list, look at your grocery store, what different kind of vegetables can you swap into these meals each week. I have this great um, veggie bolognese uh, pasta sauce in my cookbook that is made by actually putting mushrooms, bell pepper, onion, garlic in a food processor to make like a veggie ground. You could swap out the vegetables in that every single week, use a different mushroom than you used the previous week. So it's more my number one tip is looking at how you can include a diversity of plants in your diet. Number two is um, preparation. Like preparation is everything. So what I always suggest to people is that they make a meal plan for Monday to Friday. Um, it's write down what meals you want to eat for the week, write down a shopping list so that you're not creating unnecessary food waste and stick to it. Sundays, if you have Sundays off, it could mean a different day for everybody. But if you have one day per week where you can set, a set aside a few hours, you can really set yourself up for success with a plant-based lifestyle. I always say to people, you can start with like one meal of the day, breakfast, for example, and it literally takes five minutes to prep overnight oats for the week. So setting out like five different containers, pour some oats in all five of them, a little bit of chia seeds, berries, a plant-based milk, mix it up, put it in your fridge overnight, and you have breakfast for the week, literally prepared in five minutes flat. It's going to take less time than going through the drive through to grab in the morning and you're good to go. So preparation, plant diversity, looking at the food that you already love to eat, whether you're a carnivore, whether you're heading plant-based, look at the food you already uh, like to eat and how you can make simple plant-based swaps in this food. So maybe you love chili, try including three different beans in your chili rather than beef. Um, if you maintain the same flavor profiles that you already love, I feel like you're setting yourself up for success a lot more than not. Um, and those are kind of like my quick tips for anybody who's looking at going plant-based. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. We all make mistakes. I always say this is a journey, lifelong journey, not a waste of like a race. You don't like if you fall off the wagon, just get back on. It's not about like making a mistake and quitting it's a lifelong commitment to living a way healthier version of you, which is, I think we're all striving for. Yeah. I don't think people understand when you're talking about overnight oats that you're not just talking about adding a splash of plant milk and some oatmeal in there and some berries that you were talking about. Like I'm looking at the recipe list that's in this book and banana walnut explosion. Hello. Uh, midnight chocolate cherry. Okay. Antioxidant oat cups. Let's go. But then you come to the gold standard PB and J like I'm talking about just heaven on earth to start your day and it could not be easier to make. Yay team. Um, you talk about trial and error, just a couple of more questions and then I'll let you go. You've been so generous with your time. Um, but you know, do you remember the time when you first just like nailed a recipe? Did that just kind of like set your life on this whole new trajectory? I think 
Um, right around the time I was going plant-based, my fiance and I actually traveled to Southeast Asia and we ended up taking a cooking class in Thailand and Thai food is my absolute favorite. That's kind of like when I talk about jumping off a baseline of food you love. When I was able to take this cooking class, they were so generous and allowed me to cook entirely plant-based and showed me how to like make my own red Thai curry. That was it for me. I was like, if I can make red Thai curry from scratch, vegan, taste this amazing, like why would nobody, why wouldn't everybody want to go plant-based? This food is incredible. So that was definitely a starting point is like falling in love with food and realizing that all the things I love about food can be enjoyed on such an even higher level without animal products. And it really made me want to share it with everybody. Like that kind of like um, push in my soul to like scream it from the rooftops was the catalyst to starting like my blog plant you and wanting to share it with everyone like that was my way of like everybody you need to, to start <laughs> including more plant-based food in your diet because i i couldn't be stopped basically do you do you have a lot of those flavors in this book i, I would imagine that there has to be a curry something something in here I have three different curries in it and I have a wicked red Thai curry soup, which is actually inspired by that very recipe that I just talked about um, with those authentic flavors. I also have a vegan pad Thai, which has like a wonderful flavor profile and really traditional, traditional flavors there. So anything I would say, anything you can make, I can veganize. I truly believe that, that we can enjoy all the wonderful flavors. People can um, enjoy their cultural foods um, with a plant-based twist. Is, is that your favorite recipe from the book? Do you even have a favorite? Oh, that's tough. Um, I think my favorite is actually the cauliflower wings. There are these cauliflower wings um, that we, my dad and I actually recipe tested together and they're wrapped in rice paper. So they give like a really kind of like a skin <laughs> on the cauliflower. And it's not like anything I've ever seen from a cauliflower wing because they're usually like battered, sometimes deep fried, but these are like light and so delicious. Everybody who tries them loves them. So that's probably my absolute favorite in the book. And you know, with the big football game coming up here, I'm saying that could be a pretty good meal to serve the masses. You know, the thing that I found about cauliflower wings is that even like the biggest chicken buffalo uh, wing kind of connoisseur will be like, this is pretty daggone good. You know, it's just one of those shocking things. Like what kind of chicken is this? Well, it's funny. You should ask, sir. It's actually cauliflower. And then they're like, eh, it's still pretty good. It's, it's like, it's just the most fun thing in the world. Um, and your book is also uh, close to being the most fun thing in the world because you really do. You, you, you don't just have these great recipes in there, 140 plus of them, but you also have the simple tips for starters, you know, like things that every vegan uh, kind of learns as they're going along, things that you had to learn not that very long ago, how to press tofu, how long to soak beans, how long to cook rice. You know, these are all little things that we have to learn along our plant-based journey. But once you do, they kind of are the fundamentals for all of the fun stuff that you can do in the kitchen. And as you've proven again, Carly, with this book, you don't have to be Wolfgang Puck to be able to master these recipes. You've done it with simplicity, but the flavor is off the charts. And I'm just, I'm so honored that you would take the time to be on the exam room today. 
Oh my gosh, the honor is mine. I am so grateful to have this opportunity to speak to your absolutely wonderful audience. And thank you so much for your kind words about the book that means the world to me. Well, we look forward to having you back on soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Carly asked me to ask you to do a favor for her. And that is if you pick up a copy of the Plant You Cookbook, please get it from a local bookstore because it's important that we take care of our mom and pop shops. And I've even included a link in the episode notes where you can buy the book online and still take care of the local stores. It's a website called bookshop.org where a portion of the proceeds go directly to local retailers. And of course, you can also always just go right on down to the bookstore near you. And when you do pick up your copy of Plant You, I highly recommend the super loaded veggie wrap recipe that she has on page 104. This thing is tangy and crazy delicious. The balsamic dressing that goes with it, it is nice and tangy as a matter of fact. And sometimes with these balsamic dressings, they tend to be really sweet and that's just not my favorite thing. But the tanginess from the vinegar and the Dijon mustard, it countered the sweetness of just a splash of maple syrup perfectly. I mean, it is so good. And I think about all of that flavor and I think about this wrap versus the burritos I used to get at Taco Bell back in the day. And I think that with the drive through menu, really all I could taste from that was the grease in those burritos. But with this wrap, I mean, it is like an explosion of dozens of unique flavors in every bite. And that's one of the benefits of clean eating that I was not expecting. A more refined palate that can help you appreciate food more than you ever have. Was it the same for you? Did you have the same experience when you began to eat a plant-based diet? I mean, this thing has kicked my taste buds into overdrive. <laughs> so a funny thing happened to me when Carly invited me on her Instagram live recently. We were just a couple of minutes into the conversation when my picture froze because T. Colin Campbell is calling me to coordinate schedules. <laughs> and I'm laughing because of all of the times for T. Colin Campbell to call me, he chooses this. And here's poor Carly. She's mortified because he's one of her heroes. And she keeps asking over and over, do you need to go? Do you need to go? We can do this later. <laughs> but, but we finish up our chat. And then afterwards, I call him right back and wouldn't you know, straight to voicemail. <laughs> touche, Dr. Campbell, touche. But we were able to link back up later that night. And so stay tuned. I'm going to be doing something with him in conjunction with the Fairfax Veg Fest this spring that is happening right outside of Washington, D.C. So details on that are forthcoming. And now health news you can use. And for that, we head to the exam room news desk. If you're eating a vegetarian diet, you are at lower risk for developing dementia. A study of more than 5,700 adults in Taiwan is confirming that fact. The findings are part of the Zhu Qi vegetarian study. 
Researchers say the diets were tracked for 10 years with 121 participants developing dementia during that span. 84 of those cases were among those eating a non-vegetarian diet, more than double the rate of the vegetarian group. The findings held true even after adjusting for other factors such as age, smoking, drinking, and other comorbidities such as high blood pressure and diabetes. The study is published in the journal Nutrients. The study's authors also suggest that the biggest protection against dementia is afforded to people earlier in life. Basically, knock it out before it even becomes a problem. And you can find a link to that study right now in the episode notes. The estimates of dementia are astronomical. Did you know that the number of people who will be living with dementia is expected to reach 152 million worldwide by the year 2050? That is a high number, my goodness. Previous studies, though, have shown that diets that are high in cholesterol and fat, particularly saturated fat, they increase the risk of dementia. And sadly, those are two things that are found in abundance in the current standard Western diet. So what the science is saying here, what the science continues to say, is that it does not have to be 152 million. We don't have to come anywhere close to that. So much needless suffering can be prevented, and it begins with what is on your plate. So let's get that message out there. Let's do that. Please subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you subscribe, please leave a five-star rating. And here's why I'm asking you to do that. Because every new subscription and every five-star rating helps us climb a little bit higher in the podcast rankings. And the higher we climb, the easier it becomes for someone on a health journey who needs this information the most to find it. We want this right at their fingertips. So please help with that subscription and five-star rating or just share it with a friend. Let's work together to make the world a healthier place. And for today... That is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Carly Bodrug for being here. Be sure to pick up your copy of the Plant You Cookbook. You will not be disappointed. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>